0: Okay, okay, there we go, so this is the first episode of Entropy to Work, my new podcast. My name is Tiago and I am your host here. So um, let's see how this is going to work, yeah, this is the first episode, I'm super excited, Uh, we try to have episodes every Tuesday on Spotify, YouTube, Google Podcasts and others, and also in my own website, fluxuseng.com, I will have it in the description. So, first of all, I'm sorry if this sounds very muter and that's because that's exactly what it is. You know, I'm not a professional at this, I'm not fully sure what I'm doing. Uh, the song might change, the platforms might change, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to try this. And I, yeah, as I said in the introduction, I'm just a very passionate engineer and I want to talk with other engineers and know engineers about technology, what is going on in the world. How we gonna solve new problems and old problems and things like that. So yeah, there is a quote that I originally thought was from René Descartes, but apparently it's not. I could not find it. But it's something like, I'm not embarrassed of changing opinion because I'm not embarrassed of thinking. So this is basically what it is. I'm um Don't quote me, oh, I mean, you might quote me on whatever I talk in here, but I might change my opinion, I might say something, and in one or two episodes from now, say, hey, remember when I said that? Uh, That was pretty silly from me, I didn't know the full picture, and um, I'm changing what I said, and that might happen, and I hope it happens, because I'm looking forward to learning, and when you're learning, you change your mind, okay? So, yeah, that's the housekeeping for today, and uh, in today' episode, I speak with Mr. Frank DeBella, where we talk about energy industry and Frank's definition for it, what happened in taxes related to the abnormal code and surge in energy, energy consumption, and then that ended up leading to power outages and etc. So, I also talk some of Frank thoughts about what we should focus in the future and some of our opinions on how to spread the word about what is sustainability and what is the energy sector and etc. So Frank De Bella has worked on a variety of energy related projects, both for private companies and DOE projects. Such projects range from development of steam, atmosphere and industrial dryers to mechanical vapor recompression systems and organic ranking cycle waste heat recovery systems. Woo, that's a long one. In 2000, Frank left the industry to teach full-time at the Northeastern University Engineering Technology Department, receiving University-wide Teaching Award in 2002 and becoming the Director of ET in 2005. Frank then joined Concepts and REC in 2008, 2008, where he stayed until he retired a couple years ago, working on the development of energy-related systems, ranging from water wave energy systems to critical CO2, power generation and CO2 sequestration, to a variety of waste heat recovery systems. Frank continues to teach, and he's currently a senior adjunct instructor at Boston University as you guys will hear is always a pleasure to talk to Frank he is super down to very smart guy, super fun guy, very creative and uh, yeah it was a pleasure to talk to him. I feel in our talk we barely scratched the surface, there is so many other topics that I would like to speak to Frank and get his thoughts on this and get his experience in other projects that he worked on but uh, that's where we stand today and I guess this was a our first episode and I was really excited and I'm very happy with the result. So, this is it. Thank you for being here, I hope you enjoy it and now I bring you Frank DiBella.
1: Okay, so... I don't know where to even start. So. Here I am with Frank DiBella. Thanks for being here, Frank.
2: <laughs> well, good, good afternoon. For me, it's good afternoon in Boston. And for you, it's good evening. Yeah,
1: so so, it's already 8pm here. And somewhere
2: mm-hmm. in the world, it's, it's morning. Yeah.
1: So. It's, it's almost time for have a beer here, but we haven't arrived.
2: Yet. <laughs> good. That's not <laughs> so. it's allowed any longer, right? You have to have it in your own home, though. You can't, you can't go to a bar
1: yes it's all it's all shut down here, and yeah. uh yeah, I moved to to the u k it is too was not able to do to see pretty much anything okay. yet I'm also working and, from and, home
2: so and I know you're inventive, and I like to think I am so if you can invent a mask that you can use to sip through beer with you you'd be in business. I thought about something. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we, we talk about it offline though. <laughs>
2: very good, very good. Yeah, we don't want to give anything away, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Not enough millionaires in the company in the world.
1: <laughs> so, first things first. Uh, biography from Mr. Frank de Bella is pretty long. I don't even know where to start, but at least the oh, very least, there is at least twenty-five years of professional work. Frank is also a senior lecturer. Is that
2: correct? At Boston University. Uh, senior adjunct instructor is the way they say it. There we go. Senior is adjunct. that? So, hard time. I... I teach there. I used to teach there in the evenings when I worked with um, concepts where, whoops, there's a name, work, work with a company that you and I worked for. And, uh, <laughs> did that for almost 20 years working evenings. And then now that I'm semi retired, I can do more daytime teaching, which is always That's very awesome. Good.
1: And, uh, yeah, dude. so I, I believe at this point you teach because you like it,
2: right? Oh, absolutely. No, no question. Absolutely. I, I don't actually know how much I get paid. <laughs> <What's with you? laughs> uh, and uh, and every once in a while, I have to check with them to see if they actually are depositing something. But <laughs> I know if, that. If, if, you, um, if you teach with some young people, it, I think it keeps you young, I tell you. I think it keeps you young. That's why you see a lot of professors, full-time professors, tenured professors.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Who
2: are in their 70s and 80s and they're still teaching and they still love it. Mm-hmm. Um, the the research can get tricky. You know, you research and keeping up with what's going on and, and writing award winning, research award winning papers. That gets tough.
3: Mm-hmm. But
2: meeting the students every day keeps you young.
3: Yeah, I would, tell.
2: Recommend it. I would recommend it. And as I've told many of my students, um, if you're trying to g- climb the the Abraham Maslow hierarchy pyramid of hierarchy, mm-hmm. hierarchical leads, um, the very top is, I think, mentoring. And and I think engineering is an old profession that is based on mentoring. And I think that's that's only natural for us, you and me. Well, you're not old enough yet, but I'm old <laughs> enough to start hopefully teaching some people the things I've done wrong and the things that hopefully i've done right so
1: that's absolutely right and i mean it's uh i'm i'm not sure if people who are listening to this already know you but it's been always a pleasure because even when having like the normal conversations you always have that tone that sounds like a professor it doesn't matter yeah, you can I, be talking about a beer
2: and it almost sounds like you're doing a lecture about the beer <laughs> i appreciate that but you know i i gotta say though i do not have a tattoo of the second law of thermodynamics tattoo to me as you do. So <laughs> yeah, you got that ahead maybe. of me and I don't think my wife is going to go for it yet now so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah I, I always know it's a a hardcore thermodynamicist when I tell about the tattoo they're either amazed or they're like what have you done? <laughs> yeah
2: yeah exactly <laughs> exactly but yeah, I tell you second law for thermodynamics engineering uh, energy engineering runs the world hence the I think the appropriateness of your podcast here. Thank you. There's Thank you very so much. So many things you can talk about with regards to energy.
1: It's a lifeblood of
2: almost every industry. And
1: that's one thing that I guess you've you, we already talked about. Is just for some reason sounds like a lot of people have strong opinions, like artists and politicians and doctors, but the people actually making the technologies, engineers. Very seldom you see an engineer giving an opinion, like an honest opinion, like hey, I might be wrong, but this is what I think about this, and I'm just going to say it because I think I have some background that I can talk about this. It's very seldom to see that.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we come coming a time when I was growing up, we were talking in the 60s. So in, v- in the United States, was Vietnam War, and you were marching. I still have uh, reminiscences of going on strike and not learning linear algebra during my mm-hmm. college years because that particular day or week we were, protesting. I don't think I ever really <laughs> protested that way, but we didn't go to class. Anyway, so, <laughs> so you, you tend to have, even then, the environment issues with associated with energy or the energy industry, everything that involves energy somehow sometimes gets a black mark A black mark in mm-hmm. the sense that um, you think pollution, at least some people do. Some people think pollution, some people think um, Maybe over, over overthrowing governments to get the oil fields to be pumping. You know, all and and you're right. Engineers, I think, stay out of the politics as much as you can.
3: Mm-hmm. But the reality
2: is, I mean, I was looking at it, kind of preparing for today's thing. And I was thinking as I got my cup of coffee from the local, I won't name them, the store. <laughs> you know, get a cup of espresso for um, 250 275 I don't get espresso. I get the regular coffee. $2.50 cents roughly in Boston for eight, twelve ounces. Mm-hmm. The equivalent cost of gasoline per gallon would be something in the neighborhood of $40, $45 a cup. If, mm-hmm. if you know a, a gallon, if if you were if you were to make the analogy between the cost of brewing a cup of coffee and the cost of you know taking uh, oil out of the ground. Uh, conditioning it, you know, processing it, sending it to where it needs to be used, and then using it. And yet, people are headstrong about, oh, the energy industry is terrible. they got to be put on, uh, they got to be put on watch, and, and so forth and so on. And, and that's there's, there's good. There's good and bad about everything. And and I always like to look. And I think you're the same way. I think most people are. I think most engineers are. They tend to look at the better things, the 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 good things about things. At least I think I like to try. And um, if it wasn't for the energy that's being produced from the oil in the ground, I understand, um, we'd be in tough shape. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's one thing that I
1: don't get. I mean, uh, some at some point I was talking to someone, they said, why do I hate the little girl there, uh, Rita Thunberg, so much? I was like, I don't hate her. I think she oh, has no. the appropriate opinion for a 13 year old, years yeah, old. It's, yeah. it's absolutely fine. What I don't yeah. get it is that she's too young to understand that, like, that's what we had. You know what I mean? Like, 100 yeah. years ago, yeah. if we were not burning coal and oil, we would be freezing. So how quickly do we owe to fix this problem? Like, I mean, we are at this, at this stage exactly because we had these solutions. Hey, maybe they're not the best solutions, but that's, that's what we did at the time,
2: you know? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, you, you have to admire her passion. But at the same time, um, I mean, I remember when I was 13, I didn't have the passion for stuff like this. <clears throat> well, maybe for the space program, because that's when it was going on. In the 60s. Oh, yeah. But, but um, you have to admire her passion. But at the same time, I'd like to have seen or be able to, someone have be able to say, let's listen to the other side of the story. There's no question, absolutely no question in my mind, and I think in most engineers' minds, the renewable energy, has some part to play in the whole energy industry absolutely absolutely i can't imagine an engineer saying well screw the environment we need we have needs now and the environment won't be cleaned up for 50 60 100 years let's not worry about it now i don't think anybody is saying that what i'm i think you need to do is be kind of more central you know you can be on the bell curve of things the extremes there's a right extreme there's a left extreme you have got to be somewhere in the middle. Yeah, look at the good things and then try to fix the bad things. Mm -hmm. Renewable energy could fix some of the very bad things. Yeah. But it has a part to play. But I don't think it's ever going to be the whole
3: machine.
2: I don't think it's going to be the whole system, the entire system. Same. Like, maybe one day,
1: but like, I don't. And maybe I'm just being too pessimistic, but I cannot see that in the last, the next like 100 years,
2: honestly. Yeah, Yeah, well, I I think you're right. I mean, when I say, okay, so now we got to be careful it'll never you can't ever say never yeah you know what if we find out fusion yeah. right I'll if say, we find out fusion that will be fine in our lifetimes okay but in 500 years from now a thousand years from now um maybe there will be a evolution of uh, discovery of some enormously powerful and somewhat infinite um energy source when mm-hmm. i was growing up again going back to when i was growing up in the 60s and 70s you would see people who were at these shopping centers handing out pamphlets and those pamphlets would say if the government could spend x amounts of dollars then fusion would be developed in 20 years. <laughs> i gotta tell you that's 45 to 50 years ago <laughs> The only fusion i see going on right now is one where the sun is it's, it's almost 3:30 here the sun is um is, is ready to come uh, you know down sunset <laughs> that's the only future that's going on but yeah in 500 years maybe
1: yeah and i get it, that would be awesome but it's just like hey it's not that easy not there <laughs> not there yet so great so yeah we already started with the right food this is awesome that's why i love talking to you so the first question that i prepared i guess the tricky one how do you actually define the energy industry. Because yeah, there's so fun. much going on and there is transportation and everything. But how you yourself who works a lot in the energy industry over the years,
2: how do you define well I, I I think it comes down it's a it's a broad umbrella, there's a big umbrella. And and you and I are energy sources for Pete's sake. I mean
0: that's
2: we true. Could be, we could be put nice pots and igloos and we become our own energy as long as we got our ham sandwiches coming in and <laughs> and pasta and uh and everything else, you know, uh we would become our own energy sources. But energy industry, I guess I'll just go back to the old reliable. It's the oil companies, it's the coal companies, it's the gas companies, it's it's anything and everybody who's involved with energy, I think, producing it or using it. So in a very real sense, you hear the word industry, and I guess the normal person, including myself, would think of the producers. But at the same time, I think that word industry should also include um the users. You and I are both users of it. Yeah, for the first time when anybody talks about energy industry, and I bring back the idea of a user, and they start saying about um what do we do in the future, the first thing I think of is conservation. Energy conservation is the thing that we can all to a person can manipulate for ourselves. You know, we're wearing the heavy sweaters in the house and you know it's it's outside zero degrees celsius and 32 degrees fahrenheit here in boston today and Mm -hmm. that's reasonably good for this season Mm -hmm. Uh, so industry to me yeah the producers but don't forget the users
4: yeah we
2: could all contribute contribute to the energy industry by reducing how much we use that's true Without, without suffering too much you're not going to take away air conditioning from, in in the case of the United States, you're not going to take it from the southern parts of the state. You're not going to take it away from hospitals and, and people, the older people who need the air conditioning. But there's so much you could do with energy conservation as a starting place.
1: Yeah, that's true. On, on the other hand, I guess what a lot of people forget is that what uh, we have as energy consumption per capita in the so-called first world, is actually what we want, but that's not even like 20% of the population. If we actually have the whole South America, Africa, Mm -hmm. South Asia, if they have the same energy consumption as let's say, let's say someone warm, like Spain, something like that. We actually want that because there is a, A pretty good correlation between energy consumption per capita and quality of life because you have access to refrigeration you have access to transportation etc so it's of course there is a lot that we need to conserve but there's a lot of energy that we still need to
2: generate absolutely and there's no there's no um, reason for not achieving that quality of life Uh, the only issue I think is when it's wasteful if it's if you end up as a person really not paying attention to how you're using it. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that's when it gets off the rails. I think that's when it gets wasted. And and frankly, Mm -hmm. you know, we talk about in the United States, um, we've got a new energy. I don't want to call him an energy czar. John Kerry, I think, has been appointed somewhat unofficially to be our environmental spokesman. And yet, and I understand as a a politician and someone who's going to have to go to meetings, that he has to use aircraft to go from one point to another. Mm -hmm. I understand that. But you don't have to have your own personal jet to do it. (laughs) You can go on a commercial airline. I mean, they are, particularly these days, they're in need of some big help. Um, So when I say you're abusing in a sense, the energy, think about it on a personal level. There are some, some parts that you can always say, let me walk to the store. Let me fly commercially instead of taking my own personal jet, like some politicians yeah. Would, would Yeah, do. you're so
1: right. The, I guess the problem is when it's, it's not hard for you. I always thought about that, like back in Brazil, where I am from in the south, there is just like 80% of the energy generated in Brazil is hydroelectric. So in theory, Brazil is a pretty renewable reliant yeah, country. But also drinkable water. We have a lot of drinkable water and it's easy. We don't need to process a lot, don't need to desalinization, everything. And therefore the, the water back in Brazil is really cheap, proportionally, you know? But then when I was still in university, I got a scholarship and I went to, to Australia, to the west side of Australia, which is basically just like California, like one city and everything else is a desert. And there, they're super concerned. Like the, the lady that I was living with, she would save uh, the plates and only wash the plates like once a week
3: yeah. Just yeah, to save
1: water, and that was like so different for me. I was just like, like back yeah. home, we I don't I don't even think about it. I don't yeah. care. It's just yes. it's not like I was doing it on purpose. It's just that it was not a never an issue. And I guess that happens with a uh, a lot of things. We just don't notice yeah. they because yeah. they're not scarce to you. You don't realize they're hard to the rest of the world. Or the world.
2: Yeah, honestly. honestly. Uh it, It's it's a matter of um, perspective. It's a matter of what your experiences are.
1: Absolutely. like i
2: said it comes down to the the persons in australia or any one of these other countries i mean i my my um ancestors come from um, italy and um when i visited them as a much younger man right after graduate school um there were times when water was scarce enough that they would stop water flow to the town from certain hours you know two or three hours mm-hmm. fortunately we're now the 20, uh, 2021, and they don't do that anymore. But conservation is is important, and they, they recognize it, you know. Yeah. And I think most people would be able to do it without giving up a whole lot of things, without giving up too much comfort. Um, they should be able to do it. I mean, obviously, if if you've lived with someone in, in the case of Australia, and in my case, with grandparents who lived in Italy, they survived. God bless them. They were in their 80s when they passed away. They didn't. Yeah. That's we, that's right, as, as young you know as, uh, prematurely because of any deprivation, and at the same time, in Italy, they went through the whole World War Two thing, yeah, I mean it was you know they survived, and you can do it, yeah, but yeah, like I said it, it, so when you talk about energy industry, users and the producers
4: mm-hmm.
2: in either yeah. case in either case there's there's things good and bad i can you can waste the energy as a user. And at the same time, as a producer, you could be polluting, and I don't know, overthrowing governments to get oil fields. I guess that's happened. It that doesn't happen <laughs> now, but uh, you know, you get really crazy things. But um, um, you gotta say, I think you gotta say that, um, like I said, when you talk about cups of coffee and what you drink and don't complain about, and then you're in Boston. The price of gasoline is a doll, is two dollars and twenty-five cents per mm-hmm. gallon, not per liter. You know that's what's in England so three four times that right
1: yeah it is about that I don't know I don't have a car here so yeah, I'm yeah. already starting to be more sustainable here well
2: that's <laughs> right and, and when I go into Boston now I, I try to when I was going when I'm going to school I try to use the um, car obviously I have to take the car from where I am but uh, very often um, the train and bus it's, mm-hmm. it's more convenient
1: yeah absolutely well going to something more recent they're really i was really crazy just to listen to your opinions on this of what happened in texas, you know, texas there is, i mean yeah. there's a lot going on but so for those you know, like that don't, don't
2: know exactly and clearly this discussion is all you know this is my <laughs> these are my opinions as, as an engineering person and i i'm teaching now at one of the universities here in boston and I try to keep and these are younger students these are sophomores So they've Mm -hmm. gone through a freshman year, they're now into the senior, their sophomore year. So I try to remind them of what's going on in an energy Mm -hmm. in in an engineering way. So Mm -hmm. I talk to them about the Mars landing and show, you know, go to the websites, see the landing. And I talk about the other day where this engine flew apart and talk about engineering. Mm And Texas is another one. And and I don't know if we've heard the whole story yet. I've I've seen both enough. I've heard both sides of the coin about renewable energy and the people who are the oil people, obviously Texas is an oil state in the United States, Mm -hmm. the oil people are saying that it's the it's natural, it's, it's renewable energy that causes it because the oil companies or the state or the governments in the state were forced to do wind turbines and solar panels and then they got frozen up and I don't know. I understand, I understand that 20 to 25% of Texas's electrical power grid is from renewable energy. Mm-hmm. And I think by renewable energy, they mean primarily wind turbines and maybe photovoltaic. I don't think they have much hydro. Mm-hmm.
4: They
2: don't have much at all. I don't know of any big dams in Texas. Obviously there's the Hoover Dam in, in the Colorado and all. But anyway, So, so 25% to me doesn't sound like
3: that missing
2: that it's going to cause that big of an issue yeah so, so there's something else going on now the other thing that could be going on is that um transportation was just stopped i mean even in texas where they don't get snow much and when they get some it's not it's not many many feet inches it's certainly not feet it's like in washington when they get snow it stops everything now mm-hmm. texas um, and when you stop anything in Washington, D.C., okay, you stop the politicians from going to, into the Capitol, and that's good or bad, as you might want to look at. But <laughs> in Texas, maybe what stopped in the transport of things on the road were oil deliveries, maybe. And yeah. Maybe there were other things that got stopped. And so, as I understood it, some of the power facilities, uh we're working with coal and some of them are still doing oil I think that's kind of hard for me to believe but I thought by now most big utilities would be powered by gas natural gas yeah mm-hmm. I don't see why that would have been curtailed because it's all delivered by pipeline yeah
1: I was about to say that and the pipeline I mean for it
2: and, I haven't, and heard anything about pipe, I haven't heard anything about a pipeline being stopped now it's yeah possible. I mean it's possible
1: so even because to, even to liquefy the gas that uh, you 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 would need to be so cold that's just impossible.
2: yeah no so. no I, I, it's possible that when you talk about pipeline and you know uh, pipeline requires these pipeline compressor stations you need to mm-hmm. pump this this compressed gas around because the friction in the pipes um lowers the pressure and you have to keep pumping along um now it's possible those those machines are running on natural gas and you would say okay then you have the natural gas or the diesel They keep running, they keep pumping. Now, if one goes down and then it dominoes, maybe there's an issue there that has to be looked into. So I guess Mm -hmm. the bottom line for me is I don't know if I've heard the last story, because I don't think there was enough renewable energy online. Personally, I don't think there was enough online to make this big a problem. Yeah. um, With power outage all over the state. I also heard um, that Texas, unlike the other states, okay, Um, Texas is almost about, uh, almost a a pool of electric power of its, onto itself. And and in a very weird way, it can isolate itself from the other utilities all over the country. The the electric utility, DiaGo, when I studied it, it amazed me because it is like the largest um, energy system in the sense of um, having having tentacles that goes everywhere. So if you wanted to generate power in boston in new england in a sense you could provide some power to parts of california i mean because all these networks of power utilities are all tied together i guess texas is one of those where they yeah they're tied together but they could just connect themselves and if they disconnect themselves maybe that was what they were doing and and then everything starts to close down because the power generators if they see uh, too much power on the line, then they start there by by design are intended to come offline because otherwise they start feeding into something and, and they can't generate as much power as mm-hmm. required. So I don't think we've heard the last story. Yes.
3: I hope we have
2: because uh, it would be scary that a, a state like Texas, with all of the resources they have available in the oil fields and the gas fields, there was this kind of a problem and it was a significant problem i mean i had students certainly who at the very least were inconvenienced so they couldn't listen to me oh well maybe that's not an inconvenience i don't know (laughs) but but they they at least used that as a reason why they couldn't zoom in on the meetings and Uh and we excused all lessons delay you know we had them a lot delayed things but there were people who were in hospitals yeah And there were people on life support systems in their homes, in in you know, and they lose power, and it's catastrophic, and it's it's incredible to think of the loss and the suffering that's going on.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: But that's what it means. That's really what it means when we're talking about a civilization who needs the energy and who has accommodated themselves to make that energy convenient. Yeah. I mean, I was talking about my grandparents. I mean, talking about water being shot, uh, a stop during the week, during the day, they would also routinely have brownouts. They would just lose power. Mm -hmm. You you can't do that in the United States, at least you couldn't do it in the United States without expecting, without the owner of the company expecting phone calls. Now it's getting to be more routine brownouts. Mm -hmm. And I guess some people would attribute that to um, environmental pollution uh you know these changing the climate and so forth um, mm-hmm. i'm not sure how far you go with that
1: yeah but-, but in line to what you said before in like in terms of being more conscient about how you use the energy maybe not have your own jet but use commercial jets etc isn't it that part of the of the solution as well we have to kind of plan and maybe that oh, means every the neighborhood they you know Maybe you're never going to use it, but every neighborhood should have their own diesel generators because if yeah. everything goes down, at least the you know the very basic could keep running.
2: I, th- I think you, you hit on something. I'm glad you did because that's part of the story I'm not sure if you'll ever hear, the planning.
3: Mm-hmm. The
2: government, someone has to be planning. Now, admittedly, some of the utilities, and I, again, I don't have any affiliation whatsoever, good, bad, or ugly with utilities. <laughs> is my <laughs> personal opinion. The planning is essential, but also coming with that planning, if you're the CEO of a utility, you're thinking about the the stockholders, and the stockholders need to get dividends, and you minimize the cost of delivering the product. It's not just utility, but anybody does that. But in the case of delivering electrical power products means maybe you don't have as many transformers in the yard, ready to replace the ones that have just been burned out or you don't have as many towers that you can quickly get to or you don't have as many emergency generator sets that can be sent to a hospital and generate two three four megawatts of power Mm. you don't do that because it costs money to have that hardware on the ground not operating so planning i think means associated with you know planning in the future means also paying for some of that in the future and then it comes down to the prices that you charge for electric prices and no one wants to pay more than six dollars per kilowatt hour you know? yeah but it, it, the planning is something i think is going to come out of this that somebody missed something yeah And it can't be just one company missing something because this has a number of utilities in texas so we'll yeah. see we'll see i think yeah. we're. I think we're getting uh, the Texas citizens are back online. I think they're now recovering. There's a lot of plumbing needs, I guess, in Texas at this point. A lot yeah. of um, a lot of um, the um, uh, plumbers are coming, literally from all over the country, as I understand it, going down there. Yeah, because, because all because, the pipes burst. Because of the yeah, because of the burst lines. I mean, it's as simple as as water pipes breaking that causes a house not to come back online again. Yeah, yeah. It. and And it has to be fixed. And you got so many plumbers in the state of Texas and you get need more of them.
4: Hmm.
2: I, I think it's equivalent to when you see hurricanes come through the south and, and sometimes northeast and trees come down, electric power goes out and you have workers coming from all over different states. They'll come into mm-hmm. New England. They do this on a regular basis because we have some severe storms here. and. Um, Those storms usually have the effect of dropping tree limbs on power lines, which means that communities go out. And so you'll see work teams come in from, crews come in from California, Hmm. happy to do it because they've got employment, they've got time to to do this stuff, and they're happy to help out. And then when states like Texas needs the help, you've got electricians and and electrical people coming down. Now it's Hmm. gonna be the plumbers. It's gonna be plumbers going to Texas for a while. (laughs) <laughs> going into motels I think and fixing these things because they need it. You can't be without yeah. a house that doesn't have uh, facilities, you know, yeah, that's true. toilet facilities and all and cooking for weeks and weeks and weeks. You can't do that, particularly yeah. now because you can't go to restaurants to get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, food. you need to stay at home. Yeah, so it's, yeah it's definitely really, really tricky times. Really, really tricky. You know, it's It's interesting times.
1: Yeah. What what you mentioned about the planning is true and is also it's something that I always notice with engineering and planning in general is that if it worked correctly, people don't actually realize the amount of work that went into it in order to be working. Like nowadays, pretty much everybody takes it for granted that you just open the tap and there is water there
2: yeah. without yeah.
1: realizing how so many steps does it take That's to right. actually pump it to just be there conveniently for you all the time. And,
2: and- And you know, one of the reasons that's true is is because in the United States and Europe, you know, where there is um, uh, a lot of engineering, a lot of education, um, it's true that people don't realize it because the engineering has been done so well that there aren't, or there used not to be blackouts and brownouts. There there used Mm -hmm. to be, everything seems to be working. And you don't know and you don't feel the problem until it stops working and then you mm-hmm. realize wait a minute something something is missing you realize there wasn't somebody planning this and otherwise unless something happens you don't know that there's a problem Let's yeah see, yeah there was
1: when i was two back in college there is kind of like two hours away in my state still there is one of the last coal mines in brazil and it's still in operation basically subdesign because there is a city that basically relies on the coal mining so you know if they stop doing coal like you have the second problem that's the social problem but anyway I went there and it was good that I went there I think it was in the my second year of engineering and then one of the engineers was responsible for that shift was talking and then only then I realized that someone is always there in order, like oh, the whole regionalization basically come, the electricity would be coming from there. And basically it came to the realization, in order for me to have electricity right now, there is someone in that room that I work with, yes. always taking care of that turbine. Always, always. Yeah. Yes. And was like, this is amazing. Actually, every time you go anywhere, and now I, I cannot stop thinking of that. And I always, you know, when I turn it on the line, it's like, huh, I wonder where this is coming from. Yeah. Well, who is taking care of the turbine here?
2: you know i I think that's a good point. I think we all need to be a little bit more aware of some of the things that people do to help us do what we do. I mean I'm yeah. always appreciative of farming of farmers and uh I, and teachers certainly not because I am one now but also because I grew up and we all went to school but farming to me uh is like essential i mean listen if you had a if if you were going to um Need to pick a crew to inhabit an island, the first person I think I would hire was the farmer. Yeah, say, absolutely. i got to know that tomorrow I'm going to eat tomorrow, you know. And the next person would be probably, well, i like to think an engineer, uh, uh, and I don't mean an educated, multiple-degree engineer. I'm talking about someone who has okay, some engineering background, has some technical knowledge intuitively or it, by experience by experience yeah. particularly by experience you'd bring those people
4: yeah uh, absolutely who's
2: the last person you'd bring i think i would probably not to Polit- get too <laughs> political <laughs> but i don't think i'm going to get any congressman or senator yeah absolutely for a bit for a little while <laughs> now they could also say that well someone's going to make the rules yeah uh, i understand someone's going to make yeah. Well,
1: it's funny you well, said so that.
2: Because I think, I, so I think I get a farmer who is also a good manager, and I think that almost is uh, that that almost goes together.
1: I can't yeah, imagine absolutely.
2: a farmer who's not a good business person. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was actually coincidentally
1: just yesterday. I was. I, I think I never realized how much Alexander the Great was as a person. Of course, I was in history. I learned about you know the huge empire, but I was listening for some stuff that. Is written about him that he has been like a a soldier his whole life he was and that's why people loved him so much like he was still one of the big emperors. but sometimes it's just like no tonight is my shift you go to sleep i'm gonna and yeah. that's why people respected him because he never he never tell, told anyone to do something that he would not do himself yeah true
2: those always are the better le- leaders yeah those exactly
1: always- it's but not then, like again, I, I am above this, never.
2: But then again, you got to be careful, Thiago, because he died, I think, when he was only 32 or 34. Or 32,
1: something. apparently, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> the greatest story for that, that I use in a lot of examples when I'm doing my engineering stuff with the students. Um, and, and again, I, I come from, I like to come, I think I come from more practical experience versus the more um, academic. There's nothing wrong with the academic you got to merge the two experiences and so sometimes i see the students you know finessing with the solution and and i say you know let's do it you haven't got enough time to do this you got to get to the essence even on the approximation of an answer you got to do what mr alexander the great did he had this big knot you know he had this big knot and someone says why don't you take some time to cut this knot and he says i ain't got the time to do that and he just cut the, nut, the Gordian knot, <laughs> and that's the way you unravel it. Just get to it from experience, you know.
3: Anyway. Yeah,
1: that's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah. Well, we took a detour there. but yeah. talking about politicians, that's one of the big questions I I sent to you beforehand. And I was curious. You know, I
2: have, we I, have a, I think I have a great answer for you. you, know, okay, you know,
1: okay. There we go. So, I mean, so, so this, people. Yeah. So people know what I'm talking about. The question that I sent to Frank is, if someone high in government were listening to us right now, what would you say that is like key, really, really important that we focus in what if it is absolutely a waste of time slash a waste of focus at the moment?
2: And the way I would respond to that, I'm glad you had that question, is the same way I responded to a similar question many, many years ago, at the company we work for, and even before that. And that is, I would love, and, and seriously, I'm going to make the suggestion to the head of the department at the university I'm teaching. Um, I would love to have a webinar, a series of webinars, where a politician either sends themselves and sits down for an hour or two, or sends an assistant, and we outline all of the renewable energy engineering, we, we had discussed renewable energy engineering, not the 10th level down below the surface. I'm talking about basics, very basic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because unfortunately, and, and when, if, the, if we could do that, and if it was successful, then they could answer their own question. What is a waste of time? You know, what is the waste of their time? What is the waste of the government's money? What is the waste of um, uh, hot air for that matter? In talking about things because right now, I'm afraid, unfortunately, the, the politics is everywhere. And sometimes to get elected, he or she running for office is going to say something that is really silly and is known to be only silly by persons who are in the engineering field. And the, and the citizenry believe them because good heartedly they'd like to believe there's a solution to this energy and the climate crisis. But when you have a politician who says, as an example in Boston, that they are gung-ho for renewable energy, they're gonna put a wind turbine up at City Hall <laughs> that is going to be able to power, not the entire city, because no one would believe that, but all of City Hall. And I'm, I'm thinking that that wind turbine would have to be hundreds of feet tall to, yeah. to develop two, three, four megawatts of power. Because everything in the city hall is is run by electrical now.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Not reasonable. And it's not, and it's silly to even think to run on a platform like that because people are gonna believe it because they're not trained. And then you get elected, and sure enough, what happens? You get elected, and then as a show of good faith, they put one of these little spinning <laughs> wheels up on the thing, and it looks like it's you know it's what you see in the science museums to demonstrate yeah. renewable energy with wind turbines. So if you can educate I think some of the politicians honestly you don't put the politics in it you show them what i call the good the bad and the ugly of renewable energy and you say uh wind turbines have a have a place photovoltaic has a place hydrogen storage you know generate hydrogen from electric from water using electric power generated from the wind when then you can store it so that like in texas when you need the power you can burn the hydrogen um mm-hmm please understand the limits that the first law of thermodynamics has. Please understand the limits the second law has. You know, and, and let's go on from there because um, we have a, a problem and we try to solve it. And not understanding from a political point of view, from the politician's point of view, not understanding what the first law of thermodynamics is, 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 is not good. Yeah. It's not good. Yeah, I completely well, agree with you. It's just, not, it's just not right. So I'm I'm serious. I'm thinking of talking to the head of this school that I teach at and say, look, I, I say that because one of the more um, outspoken politicians happens to have come from this university. Uh, and and, and um, he, I'm not going to say he he or she, <laughs> I know who it is, <laughs> but he or she is um, so outspoken that if you could get her or he into a classroom and sit there or if he or she could send an assistant to listen to this maybe we have something yeah maybe we can start getting serious about this that's that's what we're right there's one great thing about engineering you know is that i don't care if you're republican democrat liberal conservative it doesn't matter or whatever politicians are in england Uh, You cannot violate the first law of thermodynamics. You can't violate the second law of thermodynamics. You are constrained to those laws. Thank goodness, because if the politicians had their way, they'd say second law is good on Mondays and Fridays, but not on Tuesdays, and you say, what? And then all of a sudden, if that were the case, if the second law were violated, you'd have glasses of water that start to heat up by themselves or pull off by themselves. And and, and what the heck? We can't run a country country like this. But but all seriousness, if we could have a, a good representation of senators, congressmen, or their aides, or their assistants sit down and understand renewable energy and understand that the ones they're talking to are not saying things negatively because they don't like you or they don't like your political stance, are saying things negatively because what you're saying doesn't make sense? And yeah. It's to a political situation, and I hear that mm-hmm. all the time, certainly in the United States. I don't know about other countries, but I got to believe it's the same.
3: In most yeah. Cases.
1: I do absolutely agree with you, but I think, it unfortunately, works the other way around. Like, politicians are always going to find a way to put something that the public thinks is good. Know what
2: I, mean? I no, It's it's human nature. I understand. I understand. Yeah. So, okay, so the next thing uh is educating the public.
3: I, yeah. I guess I know but, it but,
2: but you know, in the United States, there's a hundred polit- there's a hundred senators. That's a sizable group, but it's it's mm-hmm. bite-size. You can get a hundred people in a room, in a good mm-hmm. size room, maybe not now because of the COVID thing, but but then there's four hundred and fifty-three, mm-hmm. I think, four hundred and fifty-three congressmen. Bigger mm-hmm. group, but still manageable, but you'd but you like to think, and maybe it's happening in the United States. They have STEM classes everywhere, mm-hmm. science, technology, engineering, math, and which is a great thing because they're putting that in the classrooms, starting as I think as early as um, elementary school. And if they are honest, that is if they give them a good background on renewable energy through those STEM programs, then maybe you get the populace. Yeah, needed. and they won't elect the politicians who are saying things that are nonsense.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Knows?
2: Hopefully that will. It's, hopefully that will happen. I hopefully think you can you keep, keep. I know. I'm hoping you can keep the the the, the poli- political stuff out of the STEM educational thing. Yeah, because that's how we control and climate change, and there's a lot of that. That there's a lot of stuff like that that um, can be debated and, yeah. and um, we should probably leave it like that, but. but you know, I, yeah,
3: why? I agree with you.
2: And, and that's, 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 a, serious, that's a very I'm good point. I'm serious about that, but let me just mention why I say that. Because um, I, I'm doing a little research on um, Leonardo da Vinci and, and Renaissance engineering and, and a few things like that. So I picked up a book and uh, I can mention it to you. I don't know if we want to mention authors, but this person is talking about how the Renaissance started with the the um, the, uh, the by the Chinese explorers by Chinese explorers back in the 1400s yeah. okay hmm. and he made a great point because the Chinese explorers were incredibly good navigators they got into their boats and they navigated all over the world yeah. and he claims he claims that there's evidence from like weather people keep the weather in Denmark that um, or reports from people during that time period that a a martyr of chinese vessels went through the north pole okay and landed in north america they were trying to make a case that north america was discovered by the chinese okay Mm -hmm. so so you say so you say um well how the heck does a wooden boat go through the north pole with all the ice and the floats and and they puts a he puts a little footnote in the bottom of the paragraph and he says footnote There is an observation data from Denmark so-and-so weather reports saying that during the 1400s, there was three or four major periods during the century when there were warming such that the ice in the North Pole was melted. I said, wait a minute, is that possible? Is that possible, 1400s? I mean, where's the Industrial Revolution affecting climate control, you say. Yeah. They said, well, I don't know, let's think about that. Let's find out a little bit more about this. But like I said, it was in the book. So the question yeah. is, is climate control just climate change during the earthly, you know, lifespan? I, I don't know.
1: So yeah, that's a very that's a very good point. I, I am mindful of time. I know you you have other stuff to do, but I just want to note that I agree with you and I I it really bothers me when people think that by saying that it means I'm not like, I don't want to oh, protect the environment. Like, that's completely a different story. Just saying that maybe some stuff might be up to discussion because that's clearly we don't fully understand the, the right. whole physics that's going on on Earth. And on, exactly. if, if it was me answering the question of what I personally think is a waste of time slash focus, I think it's something we should think, but the whole focus that is putting on being carbon neutral that you need to plant as many trees to kind of compensate for the CO2 that you are emitting. Like, yeah, I get it. It's a good idea. Try to do that if you can, but there's so many other pressing issues that I think that is just like a, a
2: waste well, of time. I, Exactly. I mean, uh, it's a certainly important issue and, and it needs to be addressed. And I think people, companies, a lot of them being forced to do it by the EPA and the government. and And some of those Restrictions have made it so that the air that we breathe in the United States and in England and other parts of Europe and Asia are, uh, some parts of Asia are clean because of the restrictions, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it's like a pendulum, I think. Sometimes it just swings too far, and and sometimes the regulatory agencies in the United States will go after a manufacturer for such things as uh, importing wood that is going to be used in guitars, and this is a true story that um, came from some forest that was controlled you couldn't get the wood from that red wood mm-hmm. forest and now that person's companies closed down because they violated this this import rule and this goes back to 15 years ago but so you have regulations that are incredibly good and important in my opinion and but there are others that need to be come back a little bit and now you have the the pendulum swings the other way so you gotta be very careful you gotta be very careful about things like this. So uh, the the interesting thing, you know, from the point of view of what's going on throughout the world in the last year, is that you know I I was signed to be retired, so I was home anyway, but I was still driving to school until everything shut down, and I know my friends uh, at the company we were working at were starting to work at home, and a lot of people were. So as a result of that, the emissions from cars went down very very far,
4: and mm-hmm. I think
2: over the years I think the number I heard quoted was like. 10, 15%? I don't think it was 20%, but about 10 to 12 to 15% reduction in CO2 emissions.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: So the question to me comes immediately is that comes immediately is then do we see the effect of that reduction in CO2 immediately through climate change? Or is it does it need to wait a year or two before you see the effect? Because a 15% reduction is significant. It is. It really world. is. Yeah. It's a significant result. Never. Not even counting the, the the, the companies that are some of them gone out of business and and certainly the downturn and some of the manufacturing and all that all has ramifications for everyone from a mm-hmm. life sustaining and and point of view, but from a point of view of less emissions what's been learned from that at the very least what can be learned from that and uh yeah i know this year i think we had as strong a hurricane season as we've seen now maybe mm-hmm. you could say frank uh you shouldn't be able to see the climate change be that instantaneous with the changes in the reduction in co2 emissions maybe it mm-hmm. takes a while and yeah there's a there's a latency there's a there's a phase change they say the that there's a phase between the Mm -hmm. time you input a force and the result from that force, there's a Mm -hmm. phase change. Uh, So maybe we haven't seen the phase change
1: yet. That's true. Yeah, and that's exactly the point for what I'm saying. I think, yeah, we can focus on CO2 capturing and blah, blah, but maybe, just maybe, if we had something as basic, like all the pumps in the world need to have a standard, because I guess something like 50% of electricity in the world is just to drive pumps, to have water for industry and people, if you just that's have more efficient pumps all over the world, the that's emissions would go so down. And that's like a byproduct.
2: Yeah, that's an interesting. I didn't realize that that's an interesting statistic. That's maybe,
1: like, I'm, maybe I'm making something up a little bit, but no, it's let me, in the
2: ballpark. Let, let, me, let me give you a, even a stronger one, which I think makes sense. Uh, you know, with this COVID thing, where people staying at home, <clears throat> I don't think a lot of people are going back to the routine of going to an office, driving in traffic. Mm-hmm. Like they used to, uh, but let us say if you're driving five days a week, let's say you stop one of those five days, so you have 20% change. Mm-hmm. So throughout the country, you know, regardless of what you do, some people can not go to work driving to work, but a lot of people can. If you say one day a week at home, I think it's going to be much more than that now, but one day a week, 20%. So it translates into five, eight percent reduction in CO2 emissions from automobiles? Mm-hmm. That should make a change. And if there's anything that we've proven with what we what we've had to do through the year now, uh, things like Zoom and go meetings, you can still work quite a bit. Yeah. I, I think there's an issue with one-on-one communication where I don't think I like to see people stay home entirely and not communicate with their associates. I did a mm-hmm. thing in the paper today talking about it. But I think it'd be interesting to see what happens if people stay home once a week. And that could be a simple or a simpler way of reducing emissions.
1: Yeah, that's what
2: we That's absolutely right. That's absolutely it'd be interesting right. to see what the results are. hmm
1: Okay. Frank, I, I am mindful of time. I know you have much more to do. Thank you so much for agreeing to this. Oh. As
2: always, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my pleasure also, and uh, we should do this again.